0: The shore but They are bringing to us blessings that we need so desperately. And with them will rage and storm is the answer to our need.
1: Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel and my heart is very disturbed today, upset. Let me tell you why. When I read the scriptures, I read the stories of what Jesus did in his awesome mercy for others. And yet I keep facing the question of how do I help the poor? How do I help the poor? The destitute. It's not enough for me to come and teach you the scriptures and not do something significant to help poor people. This morning, my phone rings. It's a brother who hasn't had work this winter. He called to say, Pastor, my wife is very sick. These are not Christian people. He called to say, my wife is very sick. She has a bronchial condition. And Pastor, I have I have no money to buy her any medicine and the car is not working. It's broken down. Is there any way you could help me? I need some way to get some mucinex for my wife. We've got a doctor's appointment for tomorrow. I don't know how we're going to get there, and I don't know how we're going to pay. Pastor, can you help us? My heart goes out to them. Or. A young mother had a child out of wedlock. The husband, supposed, wanted the child aborted. She refused. And now she's caught in this terrible legal jam with no way to pay for an attorney. My heart goes out to her. We have many today in our listening audience who are poor, who don't have the resources to continue even living. My heart goes out to you. It seems to me that the word of Scripture is, bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Right now, there is not food in the house of the Lord. So I'm going to come and I'm going to share with you wonderful truths of Scripture. Things that have touched my heart. Where I'm standing by faith. In Joel, the second chapter. Verse 22, there is a scripture that just touches my heart. Joel 2, no, it's verse 32. Joel 2, verse 32. Let me read this for you and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there will be deliverance, as the Lord has said, among the survivors whom the Lord calls. Well, this is very... This is gospel-oriented. Let me show you why. Why? In verse 28, I want you to get the context so that you understand what's being said here. And afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Aren't you glad that Jesus doesn't put women down, but instead everywhere lifts them up? Does not tell them to not preach in church, but instead says, I'm going to pour out my spirit on men and women, because both men and women are going to prophesy. That's preaching. My heart goes out today as well to the women who are sitting in congregations where pastors are teaching them an untruth that women are not able to work in the vineyard of God with preaching and teaching, prophesying. But let me go on. I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth blood and fire, billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Then this passage, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The context of that is in the last day as the Holy Spirit is being poured out on all flesh. And young men and old men, sons and daughters, prophesying. This is describing revival. Any biblical scholar will say this passage deals with revival. It deals also with what Peter said on the day of Pentecost as he quotes this passage to to explain what's happening as the Holy Spirit comes in mighty power at Pentecost. You see now, I don't want revival just to come because, because I want the wonder of the presence of God. I want revival to come so that the poor can be cared for and the sick can be healed. How I wish I could go to this precious family this afternoon and lay hands on this woman and by the power of the Spirit heal her. Oh, I'm going to go and I'm going to get them the mucinex and I'm going to pray for her. But oh, I want the power of the Holy Spirit to come. It's very interesting to me that... Amy Simple McPherson... the founder of the Foursquare Gospel Church... it was a time of very painful poverty. And as the Holy Spirit was poured out upon her... and upon that, that church... Literally thousands and thousands of of dollars flowed through their hands to care for the homeless and the poor. You cannot separate the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news that the kingdom of heaven has come. You cannot separate that good news from the poor. You remember the passage I read for you yesterday where Jesus described why he was coming and part of why he was coming was to minister to the poor. I love the Salvation Army. I'm disappointed that today most of the Salvation Army is turned into an NGO organization. But certainly in its foundation years, Its primary concern was bringing men and women to Jesus and bringing them into the kingdom of God and meeting their physical needs. I've not emphasized this very much on this radio broadcast because I've been primarily concerned about the spiritual concerns, the conviction for sin, the turning from darkness. But the Lord has increasingly laid upon my heart a passion for the poor. And I know if you have this same passion, I ask you, if you are able, would you pour out your financial ability, your resources to help these dear ones? made a decision today. I had two pieces, small pieces of gold. We're going to take that and sell it and give it to the poor. Now, yes, I'm concerned about how do we stay on the radio. I'm concerned about that. How do we cover the cost? It's very expensive. How do we move to the FM side of the dial? It's very expensive. But I want to tell you, along with that concern about the financial condition of Pilgrim's Progress is my passion for the poor to help them, to pour out our hearts for them. Do you share that passion with me? Do you care? This verse 32 of Joel 2 that comes in the context of revival says, And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved or will be delivered. And I've been crying that prayer all morning saying, Lord, will you pour out your spirit? For salvation in Washington, D.C. Now, some of you in Washington, D.C. are having a very, very difficult time because the government has partially shut down and you're not getting your paycheck and you're living paycheck to paycheck. How I wish there were resources in the National Prayer Chapel to pour out the finances to help these precious families. We need food in the house. We need food in the house of the Lord to help the poor. And I've been wrong not to mention this before. But today I am. Yes, I want to see this ministry covered, but equal with that, I want the poor to be cared for. Is that your heart? Well, let me pray, and then I'm going to take you into the scriptures. Almighty God, today I am calling on your name for the poor that I see and know that are personal. I'm asking, Lord, would you save them? And would you save us from our Lack of compassion for the poor. Lord, pour out your spirit today on all people. May our sons and daughters prophesy. Our old men dream dreams and our young men see visions. Lord, you said even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Lord, pour out your spirit today. Let your name be glorified today, Jesus. I praise and honor your name. Glory to you, Jesus. Thank you, my Lord. Amen. If you would, go with me to the book of Mark. I want you to to follow along as we're going step by step through this powerful book where the writer Mark comes with a very clear idea in mind and he orders his stories according to this that now is the time now is the time to hear the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to repent and to believe to lay aside everything of the world and focus on Jesus and on his glory. It's time to stop playing around with Jesus. It's time to be all in for the kingdom of heaven. It's time to turn away from all sin and to repent. Now, Early in the morning, in this first chapter, we find Jesus leaving his disciples, leaving the house where he was staying, and going by himself to pray in a solitary place. The night before, he had healed Simon's Simon Peter's mother-in-law She had been in bed with a fever when they arrived for dinner. Jesus went to her, took her hand, and helped her up, and the fever left her. And when sunset came, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed, the unclean demons that come and harass and cause sickness and torture. Jesus cast them out, And he healed every disease. And now he can't stand for a moment longer the stench of sin. And he retires to a place early in the morning. And he prays. The disciples come looking for him. And when they find him, they exclaim to him, Everyone is looking for you! And Jesus makes this astounding statement. He said, let's go somewhere else. In other words, Jesus' mission was to go to every village and proclaim there that the kingdom of God was coming upon them if they would repent and believe. So a man with leprosy, isolated, alone, could not go to his family, could not enter the synagogue, could not enter the temple, could not even enter his own home. He was an outcast. He was a homeless man, dying, terminal disease, hands being eaten away, nose being eaten away, the stench, the stench of leprosy was upon him. Comes, And he falls to his knees before Jesus. And he says, if you are willing, you can make me clean. He'd heard about Jesus healing other people. And now he comes. And he says, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus' heart is filled with compassion. And he reaches out his hand and he touches the man. By law, he was not allowed to touch this leper. He broke the Jewish law. He touches this man and he says to him, I am willing, be clean. And immediately the man's leprosy departs and his skin is like that of a baby. He is healed. See, the part I love about this story, there are two parts. One, I love that this man had faith rise up in his heart So he fell on his knees with no pride and no arrogance. He was dying. He was a leper. He was forced everywhere he went to cover his mouth and cry, Unclean! 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 He was utterly shamed. This man could come and fall on his knees before Jesus and with absolute confidence say, If you want to, Jesus, you can heal me. And Jesus' heart is moved with compassion. Do you know what a gift it is? To have your heart moved with compassion for another human person. And to say, look, we've got to do whatever we can do. We have to help this person. Our hearts are moved with compassion. That's like Jesus. And I love that Jesus reached out his hand and touched this filthy, diseased leper. Jesus reaches out his hand and he touches him. And he says, I am willing. I want to tell you today that Jesus is willing to deliver you from whatever The crisis is in your life. Whatever the brokenness, whatever the sickness, Jesus is willing to deliver you. Joel 2.32 And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's the confidence we have in revival. We need personal revival. And that revival can start right now in you if you will humble your heart, get on your knees before Almighty God, explain what you need, and say, if you if you want to, you can change my situation, Jesus. And Jesus will reach out his hand and touch you. And he'll say, be clean. This is the story of the kingdom of heaven. Jesus coming from heaven, reaching out and touching the human race and saying, Be clean. Have your sins removed. Have your sickness removed. Have your spirit of poverty removed. Have every demonic attack removed, the bondage broken, set free. Jesus sends him away to the priest so he can get a certificate of cleansing so that he then will be able to enter into his family again and enter in with his relatives and go to the synagogue again. Now, a few days after this, Jesus again enters Capernaum. Remember, Capernaum is now his home base. The people hear that he has come home. And so many gathered that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Well, what was the Logos that he preached to them? He preached without a doubt that the kingdom of God was coming upon them and that they were being called to repent and to believe the good news and to begin entering with him into the fullness of the kingdom of God. Now some men they came bringing him a paralytic or a palsied man there are different translations of this they brought him four of them each one carrying a corner i don't know what he was laying on some kind of some kind of mat perhaps with Sticks running through each side so they could hold on to those sticks and carry him safely. They could not get him to Jesus. And no one wanted to give up their place where they could hear and see what Jesus was doing. They thought this man could wait. Their hearts were not moved with compassion for this man. They are sitting, they are standing, they are struggling to hear Jesus for themselves, and they have no compassion for this man. But these four men who have brought him, their hearts are filled with compassion for their friend. So the scriptures say they went up on the roof, and they began to dig through that flat roof, now i'm sure that made a mess down below can you imagine pieces of pieces of wood dropping on the on the people below right in front of jesus and they literally made a huge opening in that roof right above jesus they had dug through everything that comprised that roof and they lowered the mat Of this paralyzed man. They lowered it. Everyone's attention was now. On the roof being torn up. I'm sure Jesus stopped teaching. And just stood patiently waiting. For this man's coming. Jesus already knew. What he was going to do. He was going to do. What the. He was going to do. What the what the kingdom of God called for. He was going to show compassion. Jesus sees the faith of these four men as they, I'm sure, shout down, Watch, we're sending him down. And they begin lowering this man. Some people had to move back. There was a shuffling in the crowd. Jesus looks down on this paralytic and he uses a very familiar term. Son, or my child, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. What did he mean? Well, we have to go to the Greek. The word being used here is aphēmi. It's comprised of two words, apo and hēmi. Aphēmi. Hēmi. Now, these two words together were told in the Greek means separation, putting some distance between. Put in motion, send. The basic idea of this word in the Greek that Jesus has used is of an action which causes separation. Literally, aphemy means to send from oneself. self to forsake, to hurl away, to put away, to let alone, to disregard, to put off. It conveys the basic idea of an action which causes separation and refers to total detachment, total separation from a previous location or condition. It means to send Forth or away from oneself. It refers to an act of putting something away or laying it aside. In secular Greek, it initially conveyed the sense to throw it out, to throw it out, or to pick something up and let it drop to let it go. Now, it's worth noting that the most common way afimi is translated in the New American Standard Bible is to go away from a place, to depart from, to remove from all association. So, afimi literally refers to the act of putting something away or of laying it aside In this context of this passage, it means that God let go of all of this man's sin. All of his sin against the holiness of God is remitted, it is released. If we understand what's being said, Jesus looks upon this man and he says to him, Son, your sins are removed from you. Your sins are separated from you. You are now pure, you are now clean. I was agonizing some time ago over all my past sins. I'd written them down. I was going through them one by one, repenting of each sin that I knew I had committed, each person that I knew I'd hurt. I've done this before, where I go back and just struggle through and say, Lord, I made, a, I made a terrible mess there. Forgive me. What am I saying? I'm saying, release me from the obligation I incurred by the wickedness of my heart. And very softly in my spirit I heard the Lord say, I have forgiven you for all of your sin. And I rejoiced to have all sin removed from my heart, from my life, to walk clean before God, to be at peace with the Almighty God. Here's this man laying on the mat palsied, paralyzed, sick at the point of death. Four friends have lowered him down in front of Jesus, and Jesus knows that the chief issue on this man's heart is the pain and the anguish of his sin. And so Jesus speaks tenderly to him and says, Son, Son, your sins are removed from, from you. They are cast aside from you. You are clean. You are released from every foul thing you have ever done in your life. You are washed and made clean. Now there are those who want to abuse the word of God and they want to say that all of your future sin is also forgiven or removed. But how can something be removed that is not yet there? It cannot be. It can't be. I heard a preacher recently say, all of your past, present, and future sins are forgiven. And there is no sin that you can commit That would cause you to lose your salvation. You will only lose fellowship with God, but you will always be his child. You will always be saved. You could murder someone and you'd still be saved. There's simply no sin you could commit, no matter how heinous or how horrid. There's no sin you could commit that would cause you to lose your salvation. That man is teaching a lie. He's teaching heresy. It's not biblical. But oh, we rejoice in the word of God when he says, repent and believe. Repent and believe when you offend the holiness of God. Repent and believe the good news. The kingdom of God has come. I can imagine that this man laying on this mat is embarrassed to be in front of everybody. I'm sure he said to his friends, no, no, don't do this. It's okay. They did it anyway. And I can see the tension drain out of this man As Jesus leans over him and says, Son, your sins are removed from you. In other words, you're clean. The sin has been literally taken away from you. It's not that you still walk in your sin, your sin has been removed from you. You are forgiven. Now, there were some. Teachers of the law, they were sitting there and they were thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like this? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Who can remove our guilt but God alone? Who can remove all of the wickedness of our heart but God alone? And immediately in his spirit, Jesus knew what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, Why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up, take your mat, and walk? Which is easier? so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on the earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. And he got up, he took his mat, and he walked out in full view of them all. He didn't stay on the mat and his friends pull him back up. I'm sure that crowd just separated as the force of this man healed and restored and joyfully shouting praises to God made his way out of that house and headed home to his family. What joy! What privilege! You see, when the kingdom of God comes, the demons are cast out. What is a demon? I like Derek Prince's definition of a demon. He says, it's a person who is a spirit, a spirit person. I think he's right. Demons are persons. They have personality. And they desire to bind us, to prevent us from having our sins forgiven, to be filled with guilt and remorse and discouragement and despair. They want to keep us unclean like they themselves are unclean. Every demon in scripture is referred to as an unclean spirit. Sin is unclean. This man lays before Jesus. And he says, But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth. Now let's stop right there. One of Jesus' favorite descriptions of himself was as the Son of Man. He didn't normally use the phrase Son of God. He called himself the Son of Man. For me, it's not even a question. Of course I'm a son of man. I was born out of Adam's lineage. I am not from somewhere else. I am from right here. But Jesus came from heaven. He was God. And God lowered himself, as it says in the first chapters of the book of Philippians. He lowered himself to become a man. And so he enjoyed referring to himself as the Son of Man. I like that. I like that Jesus identified with me and with you. And he says he has authority on the earth to forgive sins, to separate us from our sin. Do you need to be separated from your sin today? Don't believe the lying demons that will tell you you cannot be forgiven. Don't believe those who will say to you, you're always going to be in this condition. Don't believe the lie of poverty. For in Jesus Christ, I read to you in Joel, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved or will be delivered. Don't believe the devil's lies. The demon's lies. So Jesus says, I tell you, get up. Take your mat and go home. Imagine as these words are spoken over him and the flow of life that begins to pulsate through his whole body as his nerves are enlivened, as the paralysis leaves, as the breathing becomes easy. He is a man who no longer walks in the guilt of sin. He's been washed and made clean by Jesus. And now his body is pulsating with new life and new energy. And he leaps off that that bed of anguish and pain. And he wraps it up. Puts it on his shoulder. And in full view of everyone, he walks out. I love this story. Are you paralyzed today? Are you feeling sorry for yourself today? Are you filled with pride today? Ambition? Do you need your sins removed? Do you need to be forgiven by Jesus? Right now, he's there. He's willing to forgive you. Not only is he willing to forgive you, but he's willing to take that paralyzed body, send new life pulsating through it. This is the kingdom of heaven. We don't see much of this today because most of us have been a part of the kingdom of darkness with religiosity and sentimentalism. I hear people say, oh, Jesus is my best buddy. He's my best friend. Are you kidding me? He's my Lord. He's my savior. He's my God. Is he a friend? Oh, yes, he's a friend, but I'm not going to go around shouting that. I'm going to go around shouting glory to the Lord God of heaven and earth, glory to Jesus, the sacrifice, the Lamb sent from heaven to atone for my sins, that he could say to me, Ray, I forgive you for all your sins. What glory to be released from my sin! to walk clean before Jesus and before my brothers and sisters. That's glory. The crowd, they were amazed. And they all began to praise God, saying, We've never seen anything like this. We've never seen anything like this. I want to tell you, you've never seen anything like the mighty kingdom of God coming upon the earth. And when he then begins to pour out his spirit on all people and our sons and our daughters begin to prophesy, when that daughter begins to prophesy, don't listen to that Pharisee who's going to say to you, Oh, stop. Tell your daughter to be quiet. She can't speak in church. You tell that Pharisee, get thee behind me, Satan. You don't know the ways of God. Your old men, they're going to dream dreams. Your young men are going to see visions. And even on my servants, both men and women, I will show wonders. I'm going to pour out my spirit. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Today, I want to call on the name of the Lord for you. May I? Wherever you are, would you reach out your hand and touch whatever you're listening to? If you're listening on the radio, put your hand out and touch the radio. If you're listening on your cell phone, hold it in your hand. I want to pray for you. I want you to connect with me as we come to Jesus now. Lord Jesus, you said that everyone who comes and calls on your name will be saved. Lord, I'm bringing before you today men and women who listen to this broadcast. Some who are palsied and paralyzed some who are filled with fear and anguish, some who have sinned so greatly against you, they don't believe their cynicism can ever be removed. They don't believe they can be delivered. But you said, come and repent and believe the good news that the kingdom of God has come. Lord, I come now and bring these precious men and women in whatever condition they're in, and I ask for a mighty pouring out of your Holy Spirit upon them, a spirit of joy, a spirit of release, a spirit of forgiveness. Lord, would you come now and pour out the mighty power of the Holy Spirit upon them? Lord, the poor, would you hear their cry? The palsied, would you hear their cry? Those who are tormented by demons, would you hear their cry? Those who are dead in their lukewarmness, I cry out for them. Come, Holy Spirit of the living God. Come, Holy Spirit of the living God, rule today over every person listening to this broadcast. Thank you, Jesus. I pray in your holy name. Amen. I've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray Greenley, from the National Prayer Chapel. I poured out my heart today. I hope you've heard me. And I want you to just cry out to the Lord until you know the full deliverance of the Holy Spirit until there's no question in your heart that your sins are forgiven and you are released. You are made clean by the blood of Jesus. Now I also want to ask, would you be willing to generously give, not just to cover the cost of this broadcast, and that's very expensive. This month it's going to be almost $4,000. I have no way to meet that. So yes, I need you to pour out resources to help cover the radio bill. But even beyond that, I'm asking, would you pour out resources that you know I will use directly with no middlemen to help the poor, to minister to the poor and the broken? I need that wonderful gift. I need that gift in the name of Jesus. That's my cry. Just a quick note. Uh, my sweetheart, Alexandra, my wife, came back from her trip to New York where she ministered to her father and to other family members. Her father is not a follower of Jesus. He's very stubborn, and we're praying for him. Would you pray also for him? His name is Annie. He's Egyptian. Uh, My sweetheart came home, and she had a sore throat, so she's not been with me on air, but she will be soon. And I'm, I'm just standing by faith today that you've heard the cry of my heart. We can't just be focused on what we need. We've got to be focused on the needs of others. So that's why I've shared this with you today. You can write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia. National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia. And again, as normal, I'm crying out that Jesus would open the way for us to go to the FM side of the dial. It's a much larger possibility of people hearing. It's the marketplace of Washington for Christian radio. Would you pray for me? And would you help the poor? Would you help keep this broadcast on the air? God bless you, my brother, my sister. I love you. I'll talk to you soon. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to
0: present you blameless before the presence of his glory.